0: Next chapter podcast I'm the king of the nighttime
1: world and you're my queen. I'm the king of the nighttime world. Live your secret dream. I'm the king of the nighttime world, and you're my Skiba dude. I didn't sing the right words, but you get the gist. It's King of the Nighttime World. It's by Kiss from their 1976 album Destroyer. It's also number 489 out of 500 on The 500 with Josh Adam Myers. We broke through. We're at number 489, guys. Only 488 more episodes to go, and I am having the time of my life going through this fucking list, man. Rolling Stone Magazine created a list in 2012 of the 500 Greatest Albums, and I'm starting at 500 and working my way down to number one with a new guest each week. Probably going to do some duplicates over time, but we got 9.6 motherfucking years left. Actually, at this point, it's probably about 9.4. I have no idea. But get your calendars marked for May 31st, 2028. And I hope you guys are following along on Spotify, Apple Music, whichever way you guys get your music. Uh, listen to these records. Listen to the podcast. They go hand in hand. Experience people. People have been reaching out. And I want more. I want to know if you're, if you're feeling something from these albums. Because I am getting moved here, guys. Like, I am finding music that I, that I never knew. I never listened to this record, Kiss Destroyer. I only knew like the big hits, I want to rock and roll, I knew that one, I was made for love and you made me, ba ba dee ba This week's guest is the Roastmaster General, Mr. Jeff Ross. He is the host of Roast Battle on Comedy Central. He is the star of every Comedy Central roast of the last 15 years. And he's also one half of Bumping Mics with Dave Attell and Jeff Ross on Netflix, which is fantastic. You can also check out his special, Jeff Ross, The Police. You can also check out his other special, Jeff Ross, The Border. Jeff is a dude that I've known for a while. But what I love about this was that this was the first time him and I got to kick it, man. And just get to know one another Before we even started recording We were like hanging out for like an hour and 20 He was petting the dog the Motherfucker was doing <laughs> He was doing yoga in my apartment It was great I love this man I love this episode because he is a KISS fan And that's what we want We want somebody that really gets these records Or we want somebody that doesn't know it And we're going to experience it together Because we got a few of those coming up There's fucking 500 albums and I have no idea who to put on the list for Richard and Linda Thompson at 471. If you guys have any recommendations? Let me know. Don't forget to listen to the end of the podcast, guys. We are spotlighting a new artist each week that is directly influenced by the album we're breaking down. Rate, review, and subscribe to The 500, guys. Please, dear God, get the fucking word out. I want to make money off this because I'm putting so much goddamn work. Dude, I am literally spending at least realistically eight hours, eight to ten hours on each album. Listening, taking the notes, like finding out the fucking questions to ask. uh, And if I can make any kind of money off this, because I'm going to do it regardless. You don't have to pay me. I'm going to do it. But just help out. And if you can help out, it's by downloading these episodes each week. Subscribe, 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 subscribe. Follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media. Email the podcast at 500podcasts at gmail.com if you want to send me a message. I love those guys. Please keep them coming, guys. Please let me know if you're digging this. I don't give a fuck if you send an email. I don't give a fuck if you send a tweet. Just let me know, man Let me know that you guys are feeling the work that I'm doing Because I love this so goddamn much, man We got an album recently that's coming up I can't tell you which one it is But I, I cried again I cry a lot, though I do cry a lot If something moves me, I cry If I'm afraid, I cry If I'm trying to get out of the police trying to arrest me I cry. Right, Five Honeys? And if you cry, too, send me a message For all things 500, guys, go to our website, the500podcast.com. And with that being said, here we go with number 489 out of 500 with Destroyer by Kicks. Jeff Ross, I I hear you calling But I
2: can't come home right Right. now Me and the boys are playing And we we just can't find a
0: stand
2: Just a few more hours
0: Separate. Tell me, how, you have you a
1: very, like, since I've known you, like, you do have a lot of music in your life. Like, I've gone to, like, like get-togethers at your house. You have everybody jamming. Like, has that been something since you were a kid, you were just, like, music has been a big part? Or, like, like how did that start to get you in a kimono with on, like, a xylophone, <laughs> like,
2: and tall and everybody just rocking? Like, have you always been? Well, um, I grew up in a catering hall in Newark, New Jersey and Union, New Jersey, and there was weddings and bar mitzvahs and there was always a band. Yeah. And and because I worked in the kitchen even as a kid I could peek through the kitchen window at the party, but from where the kitchen window was into the ballroom was behind the band. So I could watch I'd always be behind the drummer of a band watching as a teenager. So like 13, 14, you're just just watching the the party. Watching the drummer watch the lead singer shake her rear end. And I was like, wow, (laughs) music, dancing. It's all so cool. And I just love parties. And I love, you know, I'm like a frustrated rock star, like so many comics. Like I play bad guitar and... Worst drums, but it's the most <laughs> I haven't heard you play drums yet. I've heard the guitar. I like the guitar on you. It looks good on you. I saw you doing a
1: <laughs> historical roast, and you were like, caw, caw. You've got it, dude. You got, dude. First of all, I saw you do it at a roast once, at yeah. the, the roast of, uh, who's the guy from Wayne's World? What is his name? Uh, I want to say Rob Reiner, but I Rob know Lowe. that's Rob Lowe. And yeah, and you were able to riff. On him and play guitar at the same time, which is pretty fucking. That's talented. That's really talented. So, what are the obsession bands that you've had in your life growing up? Obsession bands? Yeah, the ones that it's like for me, it was Motley Crue, Iron Maiden, Guns N' Roses, Radiohead. Like, is Kiss one of those bands? Kiss was the first one. Really?
2: How old were you when you first experienced KISS? I was uh, a young man. I, think I was like 12 or 13, maybe, like, maybe younger, and it was like ear popping. It was like candy, like sugar inside my head. <laughs> Rock and roll like that. I had nothing to compare it to. So all those songs were not just because I was hearing that kind of music, rock and roll, but I was also hearing about rock and roll. like like it was like, whoa, rock and roll lifestyle larger than life Do you
0: love me? Do you love me?
2: that spoke to me Do that something to me that felt really interesting and exciting and something you wanted to be a part of so my within within weeks or months of that, my entire bedroom which was the attic of my house <laughs> was covered in kiss pictures and posters and that was my band i didn't really have a second place band it and- was just kiss it was, it was really kiss and you know i was uh, you know uh hitting uh on my new car like uh, programming the radio stations and when you hit uh destroyer um other bands like kiss destroyer play in the radio in the mix. Yeah. And I skip every one to the next Kiss song. I'm not into that music that they inspire. So it's you just want Kiss. I just like Kiss. The other shit is terrible to me. No, I understand. The stuff that would come up, you know, if you like this, you might like this. Like, it was really always, for me, Kiss, which yeah. means it wasn't... It was the songs and their voices. And the more I got into them, the more I liked them. Like, I liked, I liked their history. I like how they got together. I like that they masked themselves. I like the theatrics. Then I saw their live show, and it was. How like, old were you when you first saw their live show? in 1979. I was about 14. That uh, was one of the first concerts you ever or went to. Yeah, that would be it. That would be my first concert. Probably. Who took you? My aunt Carol. Aunt Carol's pretty hip, dude. She was. <laughs> and we had a. She, my mom was supposed to take us. My mom. My mom was very sick when I was a kid. Yeah. And. Uh, my Aunt Carol said, I'll take you, and I, I still have the ticket stub. Really? Madison Square Garden, me and my sister and my Aunt Carol took the bus. Drove from New Jersey? Nope, took the bus from New Jersey <laughs> and saw Kiss, you know, way up in the rafters. And it was just like, I barely remember the show because it was just like so far away and I was sure. so little. It was probably, but I remember the encores. remember the end of the show. We were like in tears, my sister and I, because my Aunt Carol made us leave like with one or two songs oh, left. Oh god so we could catch the bus <laughs> back to New Jersey.
1: Come on, Carol, he's, he's spitting blood, girl. Come <laughs> on. Oh,
2: please God. I would have cried. Oh my I God. I would have walked the twenty two miles back to New Jersey <laughs> to see the end of that show.
1: Oh that's beautiful.
2: And it's oh, so sadly beautiful. It was a it was it was a big silver ticket. And um, my sister was less into them, but into them enough to yeah. really love it. Sure. But it was really my night. It was a big night for me. Kiss. Yeah,
1: that's incredible. Let's well, just I mean,
2: ta- what a show. I mean, I mean, I remember which side of the stage we sat on and stuff like that. I remember the perspective of seeing it. But- this
1: And this is this is your first concert. And not only is it the first concert, but it's like they're doing the show that they've been doing now they still do with like the, right. the fire and the and the spinning of the blood i mean i can only imagine like what was going through your head in the 70s <laughs> when in that shit, 70s, when yeah.
2: no one had done that and if they had no one saw it like it was just it was uh mythical oh, i can imagine it was mythical like the, the kiss show yeah and, you know, it was all literally word of mouth. There was no Internet. It was just like you'd go to school and you heard about some guy who heard about some guy whose cousin saw Kiss in, in, in Chicago or yeah. Detroit or Philadelphia. And you're like, well, you got to go. Yeah. And it was just like,
1: it was everything. Well, let's dive into the album. Our album is number 489 out of 500. That's it's, it? Well, yeah, it's, but that's, dude, it was actually lower on the list and then they moved it up. Because it's on the the 2012 when they moved it up. Should be,
2: it's one of the greatest albums of all time. It
1: is very good, but there are, there's a, Jeff, I'm not going to lie, there's a lot of, really good records on this list man there's fucking Sgt. Pepper that's number one you got some radio head you that got hippie butt- shit is better they, than they Kiss have, there's a lot of weird shit on this and we've been going through it but it beat out Stone Roses it beat out a lot of good records Stone been,
2: Roses I know but see here you go it's like that's what I listen to when I'm putting up
1: shelves <laughs> in my fucking apartment it's actually what the, it says the directions to do on the inside of the album 1976 album Destroyer by Kiss produced by Bob Ezrin it and la- it was recorded at Electric Ladyland Studios, and this is actually a big record for Kiss because Ezrin introduced Kiss to sound effects, strings, screaming children, reverse drums, and children's choirs. And there's actually a part on this album that I that I labeled. It says the uh, on Great Expectations, Beethoven's Piano Sonata Number Eight is used. So this is a groundbreaking record for Kiss now, sampling Mozart. They did, dude. They did. A, this is the first record that they actually really start. This is their Sgt. Pepper. That's what I'm saying is that they broke the mold this of This is Kiss. their
2: Destroyer, bro. There's so, no nothing you can compare this to except maybe Rock and Roll uh, All Night or or Love Gun or 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 Well,
1: for me this is the first Kiss record I've ever listened to all the way through. And I was at first like I said I don't know if I'm going to like this, but then it jumps Right into Detroit Rock City Like right. that's how it opens And Like what
2: When is- you're like 12 or 13 Yeah That's your balls For the first time Oh I could imagine That's your heart For the first time <laughs> Yeah That's that that little thing that just goes by now in our heads on the radio that was an hour long that's how i heard that na 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 like a, it just repeated in my head like every thought could go through my head in that and those whatever that is 12 bars of na 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 so in this song which
1: is this is the first time i I've, I've heard detroit rock city prior to this but it's all right I'm This is what I... As I started listening to this, this is one of the first... This is like the first opening to a Kiss record I've ever heard. The bass line had me. The solo was fire. Uh, And then I started going through the lyrics of the song, and this is a song about uh, a Kiss fan that was in a horrible car accident on his way to a Kiss show. That's the story. That's why they have the news broadcast at the beginning.
2: On the Michigan youth was reported dead at the scene of a head-on collision on Grand Avenue this morning. What if driving on the wrong
0: side of the boulevard where he struck a delivery truck and was covered over through the windshield of his car. The driver of the truck is reported to be uninjured The identities of both men are being with by local police.
1: But basically the story? idea that Detroit is the rockingest city. Now let me ask you this. Uh what city has been the wildest moments of your life? What is the most rockingest city for you? New York, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> have you been to Detroit before? You yeah. haven't. You had to have been to Detroit. Yeah. I
2: love Detroit, but it looked like they were finished with it by the time I got there. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> ne-na, 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 <laughs> what I see, this is the song that stuck out to me the most from listening to this record was "King of the Nighttime World." Uh, it's probably has the catchiest chorus on the whole record. My midnight
2: queen, I'm the king. Of the it's so
1: fun living, living with these. Far from the house and the family fights What I love about this record And this is where I'm going to take it from, from this song Is that this song is about a teenager That takes a much more confident persona When he's away from his parents And his parents are strict When he leaves and now he's his own person so let me ask you this: He's starting off. He's a dumb kid, but who has to do his homework and take out the trash. But away from home, he becomes this hot stud ripping up the dance floor. Such a fucking catchy song. Did you have a time in your life when you were living a mundane
2: life, and what was your first step into escaping? That's that? what was great about Kiss because you could just sit in your bedroom on my beanbag chair, yeah, while my like mother's in the hospital with leukemia and my dad's at work and my sister's doing whatever i could just sit there and just like be the king of the nighttime world stare at the pictures dream about the future like i'm gonna get out of new jersey someday not that there's anything wrong with new jersey there's nothing wrong with new jersey but i knew that i knew and kiss in a way told me to come to the cities new york detroit yeah you know, their first album, like names all some of the names, you know, um, they they have a song where they name the ki- the ki- kissing time. Kissing time is a dun 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 USA. And they name like all the funnest cities right in there. So how did you there bring? There was no fucking Google back then where you're like, where
1: course- should I go? Yeah. But, but where? How did you break out of that that Jersey mold? Like when? Like how old were you when you kind of started going out on your own? And High really, school. Like,
2: started going to the city.
1: Started going to the city. Yeah. Were you were you going big into the nightclub scene or Bar, like...
2: whatever? You know, bars at first, and just to walk around the village and try to buy a fake ID and some weed in the park. <laughs> how bad was your first fake ID? I still use it. <laughs>
1: What was the name on it? But the first fake idea you had. You oh, it was name? my name and picture.
2: But really? It was like a different date. No shit. Yeah, you go Bleecker Street. The record stores there. The, the head shops used to hook you up. Really? Yeah. Oh, no shit.
1: Uh, then the song, then the album goes into God of Thunder. Which I find to be. When I thought of Kiss, this is the kind of song that I thought of, which is, you know, first of all, the reference. Like, I don't know if uh, if the movie The Road Warrior came out. It did come out after this, but I feel like they blatantly ripped off Kiss for this song, for some of the lyrics. You
0: got, you got something, something about you.
1: You got, got
0: something,
2: something about me. me. I like this one because this is his Gene song.
1: Oh, it's a hundred percent. I can imagine him spitting the blood, spitting the fire. No, this is like song. a
2: centerpiece of their live show. This is like Gene Simmons as a rock god to the max. Yeah, like it, I was always amazed that they were bold enough to write this shit down and play it out. I, I was mean, like, wow.
0: Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to
1: Grind. Uh, and right now, you're going to be getting a little.
0: Um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a uh, niche music podcast that, that you either love, want to love, or hate.
2: Yeah, imagine
1: all the emotions that you have towards the genre that, that uh, has impacted your life, uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week.
0: So triangulate your speakers. Think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot and listen to extra grand podcast. Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Atari's and currently host of that one time on tour, part of the sound talent media podcast network. You know, well, some of the
1: lyrics are just so ridiculous where it's like God of Thunder I love the chorus. God of thunder and rock and roll. The spell you're under will slowly rob you of your virgin soul. soul. Let me ask you a question. Who robbed you of your virgin soul? Everyone knows Kayla. Kayla. How old were you? Seventeen. Seventeen years old. Was it uh, as beautiful as you had hoped or Better, better? Amazing.
2: The greatest night ever. Really? The best. Seventy was it after a special event? Christmas Eve. Bunch of Jews. <laughs> eating
1: Chinese food?
2: <laughs> yep. Parents were away. Good for you, dude. On a on a holiday.
0: Did you you were listening to Kiss in the background? <laughs> you got, got something. About you.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah, this was You've got
0: You've got something I was something
1: on me. Well, Gene. In this song is the character of the demon. And when he leaves the stage, he no longer has that demon persona. Now, let me ask
2: you, do you take the Roastmaster with you everywhere you go? Great question. Um, I don't know if I take it, but it comes with me. Yeah. There's no, it, it takes itself. Yeah. You know, I'm sure that Gene would say that, too. No,
1: I completely, there's, but there's, there's
2: Gene, the dad and the guy, and then there's like the rock guy, but you can't really fold it up and put it in a box with like the outfit. Like you need the heart, you need the balls to go with that. You need the confidence, the swagger, everything you want to say. Yeah. You know that. uh, So yeah, I mean, it comes with me no matter what.
1: Well, what I love about you is that, you know whether you, I reveal you, it
2: or not is different.
1: Exactly. But what I love about you though, Jeff, is that since I've known you, and I don't think anybody that I know has anything one bad thing to say about you, but you're this sweet person <laughs> that like that loves to be around people, that loves to like to, you know, to take out your friends and treat everybody so well, and then you get on stage and you in this loving way rip everybody a new <laughs> asshole in this loving charming way and it's like how, how was that, like, like developed in, in the sense, it's like, do we, you know, to become the Roastmaster General, like, was that something that, like, you started focusing on? You were like, okay, this is the persona, and then you created it yourself, or was it just something that happened naturally from, like, your teenage years into where you are now?
2: Hmm. It's nothing I ever could have devised or planned or conceived of. It's yeah. been a natural... Happy accident after and hard work and and just sort of by default. This is like what I'm good at, and it's you don't plan. I, I didn't plan on this lane. It just is exactly just, just how is. life took you. Yeah, or I or I or the path. I, I don't know. It's yeah. all that. It's luck and 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 not luck. <laughs> you know. It's, yeah. It's all. I don't know. I just don't know.
1: I get it. Well, let's go into "Great Expectations" then. You've got
2: great. <laughs> okay, expectations. So when I first saw the title of the
1: song, uh, I was since they were referencing a Charles Dickens novel. Uh, I thought the lyrics would be about orphans or the Industrial Revolution, but uh, this is probably the most not-so-subtle sex analogies. And this is 100% about Gene seeing a girl in the audience and wanting to fuck her. I mean, this is so funny. Let me see if I can pull the lyrics up real quick. Uh, Oh, what is it? He says, You catch me singing the song And you see what my mouth can do And you wish you were the The one one I was was doing doing it it to
2: And you watch me playing guitar
1: this is it first of all the way that he like he forms the words throughout the you watch me play
0: guitar
1: and you feel what my fingers can Can do do. and you wish you were the one I was doing it to this is low-hanging fruit now When you write a joke, how do you ensure you're not hitting the lowest common denominator?
2: And when did you start seeing the real growth in your writing? You know what I mean? That's an interesting question. I aspire to to hit the least common denominator. I want to make everybody laugh. Kiss wanted everyone to love them. So they let some people in with a silly, with a silly one, a low brow one, a low hanging fruit. Yeah. To me, I don't roll my eyes at that. Like, you know, yeah, sure. I would rather roast Quentin Tarantino, but yeah. sometimes the fans want you to roast Charlie Sheen. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know. But where did you? I'm say- sure a Martin Scorsese roast would be interesting, but. A David Hasselhoff roast is a free for all. You can sure. say anything for sure. <laughs> so, but how
1: do you ensure that when you're writing a roast joke for somebody, it's like you want it? Like I always looked at Angelo Bowers in the way, excuse me, that he wrote, which was like he was constantly like reading, re- he was going to the library and going to bookstores and just reading the most random magazines or or books to find that reference. Like, do you, is this, are the reference bank that you have? So he wanted to, to spark people by going, oh my God, I was never expecting mm-hmm. him, you know, to do this Anne Frank joke and compare Anne Frank's book on tape to, you know, having Chris Tucker read it. And by combining those two people, do you find that when you're writing a joke, it's like, it's like, okay, this is the obvious thing. It's going to be a dick joke, but how can I get there in the most beautiful, interesting
2: way? Do you know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, everyone has their style, you know, and your style gets better. You know, you evolve. Where did you see the real growth?
1: Like, when do you... Like, the difference between you as a a joke writer now compared to, you know... Well, I remember
2: in the beginning, early on, recognizing when I was getting a cheap laugh. And I... In the beginning, you look for them. You try to find them so that you can go from MC to middle. Like, let me get a few big, you know, easy ideas going. Yeah. Just so I can make some money and get yeah. some experience, mm-hmm. get on the road, all that. But over time, you go, you know what? Actually, I actually have a pretty solid 20 minutes. And if, you know, let's just say uh, one of the better, older comics happens to be in the room watching me, I'm going to be embarrassed. I-, I always skip that joke for some reason. Yeah. I, I know go, exactly what you mean. I go, oh, you know what? Let me get an act I'm proud of. And I read every interview from every good comic to see what they were giving away, just as far as, like, advice on their acts. And I remember Adam Sandler on Night Live doing this really cool Hanukkah song, which I thought was smart, and it didn't have any of the obvious Jewish jokes in it about big noses and being cheap. And I was like, you know what? I, Maybe I'll drop a couple of my corny Jewish jokes that I do about my family or myself or whatever. Yeah, and I'll try to have a little bit more thought into sure. what I'm actually saying with mm-hmm. the jokes. And just because something gets a big laugh in, you know, the last in in one second of your act, it might undercut the next three things or that are coming up later. Yeah, you know. So, yeah, I think I. St- I try not to do the easy ones anymore. But sometimes they are kind of fun, just like this yeah. song. I mean, if
1: you see what my mouth can do, when you're doing it too. Uh, that, I love that. Dude, I, this album just still like, I can't get this out of my head. There's it's not almost, a bad
2: song on they're, Destroyer. They're, 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 they're the final I'm sorry, song. There, there's not the, a bad song. The so- final
1: song, which is just noise or whatever. I don't. What's that called? The fucking... Uh, see, I didn't even write it down because it was literally this weird outro that that I'd never got. Okay, so when I got to Flaming Youth, which it's just this is actually a song that I wasn't expecting from them because there is organs in it. Uh, they've, I mean, Peter, play minute forty, minute one uh, second forty nine because the solo in it is so fucking good. As I'm reading the lyrics, which has two different ways uh, to read them, where you could say this is about a young person rebelling who's exuberant and feeling like he's able to do anything. Uh, But I started reading some thoughts online that this could be an anthem for homosexuals. Okay, now this is just saying, I'm not saying any of the members of KISS are gay, but here are some of the lyrics. My parents think I'm crazy and they hate the things I do. Now, homosexuality was at one time considered a mental disorder a long time ago, back in the 70s, and their parents probably disapproved. Flaming youth will set the world on fire. Gay guys looking at other guys at gay bars, gay pride parades. I
2: don't remember port- anything about gay pride parades in this song.
0: No, I,
1: that's what I'm saying. This are is you this adding is all, your in, own- No, I'm not. Yeah. This is all internet stuff, Jeff. Our flag is flying higher and higher and higher and higher. The uniform is leather and my power is my age. I'm getting it together to break out of my cage. Now listen. I don't think this is about a guy coming out of the closet
2: at all. This is what the internet is saying. The song seems I like that modern take on it. It's just I get I think that's a relatable. It's why young people like me loved Kiss because yeah. they stood for the audience. Completely. You know, for me, that song meant escaping from the sadness that was around me, from the, the sickness that was around me, from yeah. the environment that I didn't necessarily think I could thrive in. Yeah. And if you want to compare it to a modern thing, if somebody thinks it relates to coming out, that's beautiful. If somebody's listening to it and they need that, they want to hear that in it, Completely. that's amazing. Exactly. But if you really want to talk about Flaming Youth and like setting the world on fire think about the parkland kids you know think about how smart teenagers are now yes. think about your 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 nieces and nephews and little cousins and how they're better on a computer than their parents are yeah <laughs> like flaming youth like it's always going to be like this like that's one of the great things about this song and what and i could be and i completely agree with you i don't think i'm just going by what the
1: internet was saying because i was, saying, I was di- reading a whole bunch of different stuff on it and i was like oh well what else but there is what you were saying it's about the teens breaking out from underneath their parents like control that's kind of what it is now what were you like as a teenager were your parents stick sick i know that you lost your mom at 14 mm-hmm. and your dad at 19 but i mean right around the time i was discovering kiss it's crazy is when they passed away First was one. Your, when your mom passed away were they strict for you
2: as a kid were you a, were you a rebellious teen i mean no, you weren't not strict you weren't strict at all i don't think so not 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 no it doesn't i mean we got smacked once in a while or fake smacked or whatever but yeah You know, so with Jewish parents, like spank in a weird way, it's like it hurts them more than it hurts you. Yeah,
1: my dad used to, after he saw the movie Midnight Express, he used to take this spaghetti spatula and smack me on the bottom of my foot. (laughs) But I was a rebellious kid. Let me ask you, what was the most rebellious thing you ever did against your parents? Hmm. I feel like you were such a good Jewish boy. No, I don't you know if I was such good, a
2: good boy. I didn't think I, I, I don't think I rebelled against them in a traditional way. You're I like, tra- I'm
1: not reading that half Torah.
2: Think the, well, I'll do that was the one thing. Day. No, that was the one thing. <laughs> if I try to think of a moment where I was really like bad, it was when I threw myself out of a moving car. Because I didn't want to go to Hebrew school, I wanted to go play baseball with my friends in a fucking parking lot.
1: So you're, you're <laughs>
2: fucking. Dis- yeah, Yo, I can't do
1: it. Open the Honda Civic. And I did just like I out. ran out
2: of a car. It was a. I think it was a Fiat.
1: How old were you? <laughs> this is why. This is Hebrew school. High school. High school. You were doing junior doing,
2: high. Junior high. Yeah, I was gonna say
1: you probably weren't doing. Yeah, would have uh, been, been. I would have been. I would have been twelve or thirteen. Twelve or thirteen. What happened? So you opened
2: up the door. How I, fast was the car going? I don't. Remember. It was fast. Were you hurt? I mean, I definitely was like. <laughs> A stunt. <laughs> it wasn't.
1: Oh my God. And what did your parents I'm say? I'm sure to she you?
2: slowed that a little bit when she knew I was serious. <laughs> yeah. And I'm pretty sure there were other kids in the car going to Hebrew school, not just my sister.
0: <laughs> They're like.
2: Yeah, we would. This little, carpooling was. Thank backwards. God
1: he was wearing his tieless, or he would have road rage. I yeah. mean, you were just beat the shit. No, we shit. weren't religious. So. You weren't religious, no. but what? But what happened? What was? What was your parents do? So they pull over. Oh, I don't remember. All I know is I played baseball that day. So you ended up. You got to play baseball. Oh yeah, that's fucking dope. All right. Well, that probably brought you sweet pay. You see how I did that? You uh, me insane. You, you, which is such a catchy chorus. Uh, Peter, play the chorus.
0: Pain,
1: my love will There's this kind of sound in the song that reminds me of Flaming Youth uh, in certain parts, and I do like the ending a lot. The background singers are dope. The song. Is once again, low-hanging fruit. It's about sadomasochism. He says, my leather fits tight around me. My whip is always beside me. You want the same thing every day. I'll teach you love in a different way. You'll learn to love me and my sweet pain. Why do people enjoy roasting so much? (laughs) For the sweet pain. Yeah. (laughs) Like, it's just, it's one of those things that, like, people love it. Like, people, like, will go on stage when you go on stage and you bring up a graggle of people, like people love to be up there. Why do people love being (laughs) shit on? Uh, And like some of these huge celebrities go up there and let you basically just take all this fucked up shit they've done and just throw it in their face. Why? Why do
2: they want that? I think this is a question for not me, but maybe a, a philosopher or a psychiatrist, because I, To me, I wouldn't want it. Yeah. Like I don't. I wouldn't want to be roasted. Are you a sensitive person?
1: I I, I think I'm a normal
2: person. Sure. I think it takes an abnormal person, an over the top person, to go rip into me. Well, do you think maybe it's that their ego is so big that it's
1: still they're getting the attention? I think their ego's
2: so big, but that isn't, isn't a bad thing. I mean, that's a It's more like they're so confident and they're so made that it bounces off them. Sure. You know, maybe one day I'll be comfortable enough to go, yeah, come on, roast me.
0: But when I think
2: about who gets roasted, like they're exceptionally, you know, to volunteer to have your entire life dissected by people who do that as an art. It's like, whoa, you know, it's like being painted by a painter you admire, but the painting might not be flattering. Yeah. No, completely. I, I mean, but I saw you, you, ro- you roasted Blake Griffin.
1: I mean, and that was going back and forth. I mean, so you did put yourself up there to be roasted. I mean, and you look like you're having the best time ever. I mean, That was fun. It was so much fun. I think it's, I think that's a good point. Like it's, I think it has to do with, you have to have this, this kind of, you know, let's talk about roast That battle. was a quick one. Five, six jokes, yes. roast battle. But roast battle, dude, this, like I, the idea of me going on roast battle, like I want to do it because, and I haven't because I I'm such a sensitive person, uh-huh. you know. And the idea that somebody well, would roast go battle there, could get get you over that. That's and that's what I'm thinking. But my see now I could do it. Like if I would have done it a while ago, before I started working on myself, and somebody who brings up an Angelo joke, which I remember even when I when I judged one time, uh, me and Earl had like a back and forth about that. And at the time, I, I put on the fake smile and I did it. And I know Earl Skakel didn't have any ill will towards it. He's just we're doing, we're living in the moment. That's what the show is. But it's just I'm so sensitive about that because I loved him so much and I miss him. So it, now, I mean, I could see myself doing it and being a part of just the love of the the commune of just everybody there, you know. So it's a beautiful thing. And with the way you've done it with roast battle, I mean, it's it's literally like. There's the best energy in Los Angeles. I mean, every Tuesday night, it's
2: fantastic. Belly room, it's fun. Yeah, if, store. if you've
1: never gone, if you've seen it on the TV, we do that's it for great. fun. Yeah, come to LA or see it when it comes to a festival and see roast battle. It is it's, a, it's an experience unlike anything. Tuesday
2: ever. nights at the Comedy Store.
1: You know what song you should use to open up the next roast battle? What? Shout oh,
2: yeah. it, shout yeah. it, shout, yeah. it, shout yeah. it out. To you got to come this is a song. Shout it, shout it, shout
1: it out loud. It's such an anthem. It's such a dope song. It's it's got Gene and Paul both singing. This is one of the songs that I knew before that. Such a great song.
2: Uh it's kind of it's got, got a that- nice long intro, so like, you know, the DJs could talk over it, but they never played Kiss on the radio. And their songs were perfect for the radio oh yeah but they had this weird stigma for some reason of like you say being a joke band and that always drives me crazy because they're they're in the rock and roll hall of fame like they're not a joke band to me like i'm not into the other bands that were like that people think are like them i'm well, what other bands Kiss, were like them that's the thing it's like i only know like i honest and i this is that so much an idiot i am i can only Kiss think this had an bar. authenticity They were, like, real. Like, you read about them. They're from New York. They're, like, real guys. They have real problems. There's a family man. There's a guy who likes to get fucked up. There's, like, a guy who likes to, like, go in. There's, like, a guy who likes to go out. Yeah. Different types of musicians. Like, sometimes they come, people come together not because they're friends. Sometimes you'll hear, like, hey, we're all pals. We're all the Mumford brothers, whatever. We're (laughs) all the the Jonas brothers. We're all related. The Osmonds, the Jacksons. They're very lucky. They have each other. But sometimes, you know, real rock and rollers are only child or orphans or fucked up from their family yeah. and the band is your family. Yeah. So you see bands that fight and like the fact that Kiss stayed together as long as they did, I'm impressed. Well there was, and, I mean people left and came back but I mean the I understand but Paul, the fact that even two guys getting along for a long completely. time completely but the fact that the four guys made all those albums together I mean, and stayed like, together through all that yeah. which is probably longer than the Beatles were together. Well the Beatles were really only together for like 7 years so Paul and <laughs> so
1: they trust me they were but this is what I got. This is if what the I The Beatles love, were together now they would suck. Oh they would suck. <laughs> Oh, I mean, the oh, one song no, they did bring out, "Fly again. Like a Bird," that was that was a little whack. But this is what I love, and this is one I, I'm going to add to what you're
2: saying: is this song. I think the like- remaining members of the Beatles should get together with the remaining members of the Ramones <laughs> and, and form a super group That's just terrible. <laughs> They're called the Rab The Rab Beatles. <laughs> Book it,
1: somebody. You know why people like them? Because there's so much... They're pod- called the
2: bemoans. The bemoans?
1: Even better. There's so much positivity in this song. That's why people are are drawn to it, and I think that's why they're drawn to Kiss. Like, these are just some sample lyrics. You got to treat yourself like number one. If you don't feel good every way you could, don't sit there brokenhearted. This is a song about keeping yourself in a positive mental state. How do you keep yourself in a positive mental state?
2: Exactly through... Music. I'm careful about what I listen to. Yeah. If I'm not feeling, if I'm feeling sad, I listen to the voice, which is music to me, of Rodney Dangerfield. Because his voice, hey, I'll tell you, Jeff, cheer it up. Come on. It's going to be okay. Like he always sounds so miserable. He makes me feel better.
1: No, I get it.
2: So I put on YouTube, I put on Rodney or rapping Rodney. I just want to hear Rodney Dangerfield. Shout it out louds a good one because it's, I'm a big believer in positive. Thought. No, but but I, even when
1: I saw you in here, I mean, do you do things like yoga? Do you meditate? Do you do anything to like keep you like what self care do you believe?
2: In? I sniff glue. <laughs>
1: <You> fucker!
2: <laughs> Sometimes I pour hot coffee on my feet.
1: That's why you're so sticky and all the time. If you
2: start your day pouring hot coffee on your feet. You everything is up from there. <laughs> I mean, you're gonna have a better day than it started. Like to me, it's all about the trajectory. Like <laughs> the trajectory. <laughs> the, the trajectory. I love you. I'm gonna start pouring coffee. Got after. to have a party! Shout, shout
1: it, shout it, shout it, shout it. I Can't afford the fucking
2: oh, ride. Shout it, shout you're it! Like shout I'm, I'm Aunt
1: Carol, I don't want to leave. They're playing <laughs> this shout it out.
2: <laughs> I, I was I was death. It was um just imagine leave, li- leaving on the encore. That's a first my dad rock concert, and then it's kiss. Oh God! You've been waiting a year. Again, but you know
1: what's cool <laughs> is that they were around for another 45 years, so you can fucking see him, dude. Shout out,
2: sh- shout it out loud to Aunt Carol, wherever you are. Sh- aunt Carol, we love she you. She was more fun than anyone else in the family. Was it she? Been, yeah, because she drank and stuff. And we were little kids. We didn't drink, but she was like our wilder aunt. She we was just- the one who would, like, dirty dance with the bar mitzvah boy at... So my buddies. I room, love. So.
1: She'd go up for the candle lighting service, and then she would shake
2: it a little bit, like, "Oh shit, Aunt Carol's going up." She fell off a stool once at the uh, at the uh, Eagle Tavern at an open mic when she came to watch. Me. She okay? She's all right.
0: Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like, or how you cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana, or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective,
1: that's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective, the only podcast you crank up to 11.
0: Porn, Satan, drugs, therapy, it's not just the list of what I'm up to this weekend. I'm comedian Kiki Anderson, and those are just a handful of the taboo topics I've poked and prodded at so far on my podcast, Indecent, the show where we peel at the wallpaper of polite society. Each episode digs into the dark underbelly of our culture to dissect the things we aren't allowed to talk about around the dinner table, featuring conversations with comedians, activists, journalists, academics. They all help me figure out the who, what, and why behind what is and isn't acceptable behavior. And Decent with Kiki Anderson, where NSFW meets LMAO.
2: Good, good for Aunt Carol. All right, I th- appreciate the Kiss Coaster you put me uh, Isn't that on great? I didn't, even, I didn't even
1: plan it. It just worked out that way. I have Kiss Coaster. I have a Motley Crue Coaster. All right. So, how many more fucking songs? We, we, got, go? we got two more, and then we got Facts. All right. We got Beth, which I is the song that you wanted to sing at one of the goddamn comedy jams, and I steered you towards I want to rock and roll all night. And let me tell you something, Jeff. I fucked up on that, and I can, t- I can admit that. I fucked up. I made a mistake. Uh, now, there's some actual facts about Beth. The song dates back to a band called Chelsea, which future Kiss drummer Peter Chris was in with guitarist Stan Pedridge from 1970 to 72. They wrote the song together. It was originally called Beck. Uh, really? Yeah. And see, Beck was written almost word for word from Mike Brand's responses to his wife's constant calls that interrupted their rehearsals. Like, literally, every word in that song. Read the was, lyrics. Uh, well, here. It. Let's get. Let me see. I pull it up. Beth, I know you're lonely, and I hope you'll be see, all let right. See, let me see, Let me Because me and the boys will be playing here. I, this is. I just got a little section written out.
2: Beth, Beth, I hear, I hear you calling, callin', but I can't come, come home right, right now. Me and the boys and are playing, and we just, just can't find, the find the side. Side. Beth, what can I do? That's so Beth, good. Beth, what can I do? I do.
1: You know, okay. I tell you something, Jeff? You're the first person that actually sang on this show. So we got a yeah, first. You're
2: the first person. I'm the first person who demanded
1: it. I love that you did. Now, this is a song... About halfway, one, but I know, but only I've, halfway, got, I've, I've only re- got you for another twenty-some odd minutes, and I've got to do facts with you. Now, this is a song about making a choice. Just
2: a few more hours, <laughs>
1: we're gonna keep singing the song. Oh, Josh, why did you take it? <laughs> the lyrics away from me? Dan, Dan, have you ever made had to make a choice between being in love or comedy? Oh, uh, yes. You want to tell me
2: about it? chose comedy way too many times.
1: Yeah. That then goes into Do You Love Me? Where Paul Stanley questions whether she loves him for who he is or whether she simply enjoys the perks that come from being with a <laughs> rock star. I love this. It's such a it's another one. This Do you love me? Just a straightforward I got to know you really like Rock and roll, all of the fame, and the
2: masquerade. Is it my seven-inch leather heels? I love that line. That's what Nobody could ever cover that song. No, no, no. They'd have God to be wearing no. seven-inch leather
1: heels. But I love what he's saying in it. Regardless if he's just giving you plain and simple lyrics, it's just about like finding the, the, the way, perfect spouse. And how, think about
2: how many bands in the 70s would have said, like, uh, uh, like, not only wore seven-inch leather heels, but sang about it. Like, I think it was very permissive and very you know probably inspired a lot of people to be who they are. I love what I
1: love about Kiss is that they are Kiss. They just do
2: what Kiss does. They don't conform to
1: anybody else. They found their their lane, they created their own lane and they fucking drove it. But I love this song. Now let me ask you, have you found it harder to find real connections? Not just with girls, but just with people as you become more famous? Oh.
2: I don't think so. I don't think so.
1: Do you have like a like a bullshit meter where you're able to like can you tell or is it just, you know what I mean? It's just there's as 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 you've gotten bigger, I mean, it's just there's more people coming in that are like, Jeff, Jeff. I mean, how is it, you know, how has it changed for you? Is it, is it still you're just you have that instinct or?
2: I don't know. I guess I intuitively understand who I might get along with. Yeah. People have energy and they have uh, pheromones and they have you know, my friends are so assorted, all unique, diverse weirdos. Yeah. So they're easy to spot in a weird way. You know,
1: do you find it easier to connect with people that are, that are at least of, you know, are on that level of comedians, just comics, just people. I mean, I've seen the range of friends that you have. It's, race car drivers you you have one of the most brilliant artists i've ever met in my life i mean the painted the fucking roxy i mean he's <laughs> such a it says you have a dope collection of people that you that you associate with i met tall through you she's incredible there's there's so many it's like do you find it easier to relate with people that have achieved some sort of uh, fame or
2: i think they're more fun to be friends with yeah because i i love music i love art yeah you know so Suddenly you get a front row seat To somebody who's great at it It's just on a pure selfish level I love watching people create Yeah You know well, you're an artist Watching like... a certain friends in the studio You know a couple times um, You know you mentioned Talo. I'll get to watch her play The other day we were just making up a silly song And she let me watch her play bass And record vocals and play guitars Like whoa It's like how a real artist does it Yeah No it's, I love that It's wild Completely. All right. Um, one time, one anybody? time, I John Mayer invited me to watch him in the studio just to be a fly on the wall. Yeah. And it got to the part where he was recording his solos, and I realized, like, how different it is when you're just playing for yourself. Like, he was in a dark little closet... At Electric Ladyland, as a matter of fact. Oh no, bullshit! Where this where this was recorded? Was recorded. Did you know that this in was my reco- neighborhood in New know, York? Did I did you, know that. Yeah. You did know it was. So okay. I got I got very excited to go there sure. because I understood the significance. Many 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 albums and great artists record Electric Ladyland. I mean, Ladyland. some of the best. We I, mean, I think we've already yeah. had the two so far, including list. the John Mayer "Born and Raised" album, which I love. So I'm in Electric Ladyland, and uh, you know, like watching somebody when they're just kind of doing it to be good or to be innovative or in the moment of recording or, or writing, it's so fascinating compared to seeing the show. Yeah. Which is a finished song with a sort of yeah rehearsed lighting show, or whatever. <laughs> like, yeah, of course. Of course you play it different every night, you know, especially if you're out on like in John's case, you know, with the grateful dead where they're doing so much, whatever in the moment, Yeah, you know, freestyle. Um, but yeah, I, I like being friends with other artists. That doesn't mean to say other I have tons of uh, yeah, friends that other people are just regular people that are just regular feet, but I'm not friends with losers. That's I could, I could, I've noticed that everybody you're with
1: is definitely <laughs> un, un They're all, they're all non losers. All right. Do you want to, cause I only got you for a little bit longer. You want to do some facts? Facts? Yeah, we'll do some. Nine facts.
2: times seven is sixty-three. Okay, let's we do some. Let's, let's you're wearing a terrible shirt.
1: Do you want? Fa- don't say that. This is Motley Crue. I got. Who the fuck Miley? wears a
2: Motley Crue when you're talking about a Kiss destroyer? I don't have, I don't have a. In the being in a Rolling this Stone is, top five hundred. This 500. is my existential crisis
1: you should outfit, bro. Ashamed. This is first Why of, would
2: you listen to open micers when fucking Richard Pryor is on the subject uh, of the subject?
1: You're the 100% day. right, listen, because this shirt is one Compared of the Compared to Kiss. I'm wearing it because it's comfort, dude. As I become comfort, older, I become, I become more more Semitic. I like comfy clothes. I'm taking a lesson from Morgan Murphy. Everyone should know that he's got clothes. one...
2: He's got a, t- a Motley Crue t-shirt, one sleeve up and one sleeve down. It is hot as fuck in my apartment If you we were any right more now. comfortable, he'd look like he just survived a tsunami. <laughs> He's wearing as little clothes as possible. All right, let me let me sing some facts, in.
1: Do you want facts? Do you love facts? All right, here we go. This is how I do it, bro. Well, all right, so the, this is the first Kiss album to achieve platinum status. What was your first breakthrough moment to reaching a wider audience? What was it that, that blew up for you?
2: I have platinum status on Delta and... <laughs> And uh, JetBlue. (laughs) So that's when I knew when I started flying first class all the time. Okay. what was your what was your first breakthrough moment to reaching a wider audience? That was that was not uh, the
1: flights. That was a good joke, though. I'll get that was fucking. But that is
2: how, you know, not necessarily first class, but as far as a mental breakthrough, the first time I got flown anywhere. And my first flight was to Texas, to a college from, New- from Newark Airport. Yeah. To when I go, oh, my God, I'm flying across the country to tell some jokes. You know, I was in my 20s. It was, like, mind-blowing that, oh, okay, I was no longer regional comedian Jeff Lipschultz. Yeah. I was now national <laughs> headliner at this one college in Texas Yeah. in some random-ass airport, you know, with a connection. Yeah, I just did the gig next day or went home, you know, but I was like, wow, I this might be the life for me. Yeah. And in that moment, even squeezed into a middle seat on whatever airline I felt like a rock star. I was playing out my childhood kiss fantasy. Yeah. I was like I was on a private jet full of beer and chicks. Uh, but you know
1: <laughs> you just sandwiched between two people but in fact it, i was flying felt,
2: across the world to go tell, to, to, jokes, tell jokes to yeah. strangers yeah for money yeah i was like hey, what's up you know yeah i was my version of i was living out my what i was going to be okay the rock star that i was going to be okay all right next fact
1: the Dirk, rock star that i am Josh. you are a rock star I mean, you might shit on my, my clothing, but only you can do it with so much charm and, and That look, clothing looks like it's already been shit on. <laughs> During the reporting <laughs> sessions, Ezrin, the producer, resorted to numerous tactics designed Why do I to... I feel en-
2: like your dog and you share clothes sometimes? <laughs> it's cold out there. I love
1: her so much, Whiskers. though. I mean, she looks so good in my... What's uh, her name?
2: Lekka. Mecca, Lecca
1: hi, Mecca, hi, ni, ho. That's her full name, but I call her Lekka. During the recording session, Ezrin resorted to numerous tactics designed to increase the quality of the music Kiss recorded. Because none of the group were trained musicians, Ezrin halted the sessions at one point to provide lessons in basic music theory. Wow! Into in an effort to instill a sense of discipline, he wore a whistle around his neck and exhorted the band with sayings such as, "Campers, we're going to work." When Simmons stopped playing, Paul Stanley. During the when I'm oh, sorry when Simmons stopped playing during the recording of an outro, Ezrin yelled at him saying, "Don't you ever stop a take unless I tell you." Paul Stanley compared the experience to working with Ezrin as musical boot camp. Boot camp. I don't know what the fuck a boot is. Boot camp. Boot camp. That's what I meant to say. Let me ask you, who was your teacher? I've had a lot. Who do you think has given you the most to mold <clears throat> you and to get that kid that was? It could have been before you got on that JetBlue Platinum status, or it could have been even. You know, in the last few years, but who do you feel has taught you the most in your career? Well, I feel like
2: my grandfather gave me permission to sort of do something adventurous. How so? What did he do? Was he just was a taking, funny guy? It, we lived together in New Jersey, and uh, when I in my during my open mic days, and he'd always give me, uh, you know. Money for the toll, a banana for the ride. And he'd send me off my way. Yeah. And I would drive or take the bus to uh, New York to go to open mic or whatever. And my grandfather, like, he was a natural cynic and he was sarcastic. And he, you know, he respected everything but worshiped nothing. Yeah. And I found a certain glory in that, like a freedom like, nothing could hold you back, you know, and and uh, I feel like he was a big inspiration early on. He never got to see me perform. He passed away. He was sick that whole time we were living together. Oh. But uh, he, I feel like he, I brought home a VHS once from some open mic. Yeah. And showed it to him, and he sat on it, just sort of amused. You know, he was an old, sick guy, but he didn't f- quite, was bad audio. Wasn't sh- quite sure what was happening. Yeah. Don't forget, stand-up wasn't as...
1: Not yet. What year is this? What, what is it this like? This would have been eight,
2: 1989. 1989, yeah. I mean, there, 19... was a, there was a
1: boom. I mean, wasn't that still in the 80s comedy Yeah, boom?
2: but you're an old, you're just an old construction worker living in, you know, yeah. the Bronx and then New Jersey. And, you know... Yeah. You know, I was his only, he didn't have many connections to the real youth of the world. Yeah. And, uh, you know, for him suddenly to see me up on stage, just sort of expressing myself and doing something for myself, because I had been working, mostly taking care of him and trying to start a business in New York right out of college. So I was really, like, committed to these things and had no social life, no lady no nothing you know no money yeah (laughs) just this loser living in new jersey with my grandfather and he saw me like doing something interesting and i think he really appreciated that and even you know he died shortly after that but i feel like him seeing it not dissing it when other people in my life and my family and friends sort of dissed it or dismissed it really of course College education, stand-up comedy. What the fuck are you talking about? You're not funny,
1: really. So you weren't. You weren't like this. Like this jovial,
2: like natural, like sure, quick-witted but person. Everybody but... was.
1: Yeah, but well, that's, that's if, true. Not, if, a if
2: you don't of... grow up in Hollywood or something, you think everyone's. You know, like everyone's kind of. Yeah, you're right. Everyone thinks they're a comedian. That's you true. Don't, you don't know. No one's saying you should be a comedian. Like yeah. I wasn't performing at sonnets at dinner. I was just like some normal dude. Who didn't know what he wanted to be? Yeah. All right.
1: D. This this is uh, about Beth or Detroit Rock City. The song recorded and released as a single in 1976. It was the third single off the record, but eventually it didn't catch on. But the B side of that record did, which was Beth, a ballad written and sung by drummer Peter Chris, an unexpected hit for Kiss. Have you had any unexpected hits in your career? Hmm. Something you were surprised that it actually took off hmm,
2: good question thanks
1: man told you I do research on this motherfucker I broke this album down player <laughs> and I dress like shit but I'm gonna bring you the hits
2: <laughs> an unexpected hit hmm oh uh, you know what's one on YouTube I roasted uh, Emmett Smith Shaquille O'Neal is there he produced it it's on YouTube it has like millions of hits like when I did it it was just in this, like, random-ass ballroom in Las Vegas. Yeah. Like, right before 9-11, everybody was just happy. It was like – I was, like, the only white guy in the entire room. Yeah. Had, like, <laughs> you know, it was going to be maybe on pay-per-view one day or something. You know, it was like a charity thing that Shaq was doing. Yeah. And uh, we were roasting the football player, Emmett Smith, and, uh, and uh, you know – to this day, everywhere I go, people mention it to <laughs> me. So I ne- definitely did not think I would be answering to some of these jokes That's for the rest so of great. my career. That's so great, though. It's- Shaq, your knuckles look scraped. Did you walk here? <laughs> yeah, I mean. <laughs> it's
1: beautiful, though. And then, Did he turn that into the Shaq's comedy All-Stars, then? Is that kind of where that started? I don't you know. Think? Because, Shaq I mean, was he, always
2: like down with comedy. He
1: loves comedy. And he, now he, then he, that's that how he got Kevin. One of the reasons Kevin blew up so big was because he put him on that early. I think he hosted that. And he's launched a lot of careers. I think Tiffany just done
2: it. Shaq has one of the best sense of, senses of humor. Yeah. He's a true winner in that respect. Like one time, and the day before that roast, I said, Shaq. You know, somebody, oh, not the day before, that morning at rehearsal. Yeah. I said, to, you know, uh, thank you for inviting me. It's going to be fun. We're doing a little walkthrough. I said, my jokes are really raw, man. Uh, you know, like, where I come from, like, we, like the Friars Club roast, like, we really throw down, man, you know? And he's yeah. like, hey, man, no one ever asked me to hold back on a basketball court. I would never ask you to hold back tonight nice. on the
1: roast. Nice. It's like the greatest thing you can hear as a comic. Just- I know. But I mean, sometimes like, you know, you you do a corporate event and they say that and then you do a joke and they're like, (laughs) okay, let's cut the mic. We weren't (laughs) expecting that.
2: Yeah. They didn't even know like comedy like might exist. sometimes. Yeah. They're like, Whoa gay. <laughs> no, sorry. no, I've never really had that problem. I always sort of dance around the rules and try to make it okay.
1: But like I said, I think that adds to your charm because like you're like you know, you're going up there saying some some not vicious, but you're saying some stuff and then but it's the way you do it. It's all just the presentation of it and that's such a beautiful thing. All right. Sitcom writer Paul Sims named the obnoxious secretary character from news radio Beth after this song. The character had no last name. It was also used in a 2015 commercial for Volkswagen Passat where the husband gets a call from his wife Beth, shows up in his car information system. He ignores it and runs off to join the kids for some fun and adventure. Driving home with the kids asleep in the back seat, he tells the vehicle, text Beth, what can I do? The reply, pick up milk. No real question for that. Just thought that was an interesting fact. Now, before changing their name to Kiss, the quartet was called Wicked Lester. Before they decided on Kiss, they also considered the names Albatross, Rainbow, and what else? Oh, and Crimson Harpoon. Now, I know you changed your name. Were there any other options? No. It was always
2: Jeff because I know that's your middle name. Simple, easy. John Stewart was John So I was like, that's a good idea. Just use your middle name. So uh,
1: my story is Bobby Lee told me that's the reason I'm Josh Adam Myers. Was I met Bobby Lee at a supermarket, literally down the street, the Gelson's. I never met him before, but he was out there, and I said, Hey, man, I want to be a comic. And he goes, What's your name? And I go, Joshua Myers. And he goes, You can't be Josh Myers. He goes, There's already a Josh Myers. You gotta change your name. So one of the first open mics I ever did. I wrote down J Money. I'm sorry, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I like it. I, you like that? Then I did J Adam Myers. Uh I like Josh Adam Myers. You know, Kyle Canaan shit on me last night at my show, made fun of my name. But you know,
2: it's it's me. It's well, just who I am. You know. You know what the acronym is.
1: I do. It's JAM. And so, it actually works out. Never thought that actually would happen, but it did. Uh Here we go. Dimebag Daryl from Pantera was buried in a kiss casket as he had requested in his will. Gene Simmons said there were a limited number made and I sent mine to the family of Dimebag Daryl. He requested in his will to be buried in that kiss casket as he as a as he sort of learned his rock and roll roots by listening to us from some strange reason. For those who favor cremation, kiss urns are also available uh, Kiss are the gods of branding. <clears throat> what is the most random thing that you've seen your face on?
2: This actress, I forget her name. Uh, <laughs> That's a good one. Um, you man- got a bo- you
1: got a bobblehead. You gotta have had a bobblehead.
2: There's gotta be a Jeff Ross bobblehead. Actually, Dave Dave made these like drawing. Dave Attell, um, my bumping Mike's partner made. These drawings of us as babies bumping mics as babies and uh i put them on um my my manager willie had twins so i made i saw ba- that no so, i saw that yeah so you posted I made baby that on instagram bibs, right so me and dave i'm on a baby bib that's fucking great <laughs> <dude>. <laughs>
1: Uh, right, we got a few more. I know you said it now. I don't know actually, if this is good, but this is fantastic. I'm a little. I'm, you know. I've got like five, six more. Do you mind? If this we is do longer
2: one? than a fucking Kiss concert. I don't okay, How many more we, Kiss stories can I, I, I tell? Got a, I got the fire coming out. I'm already I'm on number three ninety seven. You're still on four ninety two. I'm gonna be spitting blood. Jesus, blood
1: Jesus Christ! In the I'm early God. '70s, Peter yeah. Chris flew to England to audition. I've had for, whole uh, shows
2: that fucking weren't this long. If you didn't tag me, I could
1: finish this and we could be done with it, sir. Jeez. In the early '70s, Peter Chris flew to England to audition for Elton John's backing band. He failed the audition. What have you tried and failed in your career, but happy since to everything get the worked fuck out, out of okay, here? That was a good one. That was a good. One. <laughs> but what have you tried and failed in your career, but you were happy when since everything has worked out? Like, I don't is know. Anything?
2: Is there anything? There's no make- such thing as failure if you're on your if you're moving up in the world. Everything's an experience, or it's a paycheck, or it's a, a way to meet someone new, learn something new true i don't think like that hey this is mike weeby and i'm the singer in a band called the riverboat gamblers and i'm zach
1: blair i play guitar in a band called rise against mike and i also have a band called the draculas and we also have this great amazing new podcast called zach and mike make three Gene Simmons is one of the world's top fire breathers. The bassist, fire spitting at a kiss stunt. He was a kiss stunt, but Simmons is actually good at it, and he reached 15 feet. Do you have any special <laughs> talents?
2: Wow. I can punt snap. Snap a punt perfectly. Uh, really? Yeah. Long snap? Yeah, look it up. I just did it on Rich Eisen's uh, NFL show.
1: Holy shit, perfect. dude. It was like did you play then. football?
2: High school football. Did
1: you? Yeah. Were you a long snapper then? Yeah,
2: that's all I was. Really? You just came out, did Punt the long center. snap? Yeah, they that... never put me in to play regular. Punt center.
1: That's incredible, dude. Perfect
2: snap, got crushed every time. <laughs> I'd do a perfect snap, and then i get my head bashed yeah. <laughs> in by the biggest kid from the other town. And hey, Carol, help me. <laughs> it was terrible. All right, here we go. A few more. Flaming youth i
1: coming, getting hit by the linebacker. Ace Freely sings horizontally. He says, every time I ever record a lead vocal, it had to be, do it on my back. If I stand up and try to sing, I can't hit the notes sometimes. Uh, I love that so much, because I just want to imagine uh, him being like, hey guys, I wrote this new song. Can you grab my futon <laughs> real quick? <laughs> Kiss has never had a U.S. number one single, but I Was Made for Loving You was a hit... Number one song in
2: Canada and I Holland. Was made for and you, Great baby. song.
1: But it was a hit in Canada and Holland. What country loves Jeff Ross next to the United States?
2: Oh. Well, I've had good shows in my best show ever, maybe. I've had some pretty great shows in Africa, South Africa. I've had some great shows in uh, in Tel Aviv with Chris Rock recently. Wow. I think I saw those on your Instagram. It's like seeing so it you... one in Johannesburg years ago for a comedy festival where I headlined and hosted some roast battles. That was a really, I really look back at that as one of the most exciting shows. Yeah. Amazing crowd. I feel like I rewired some brains who'd never really heard roast comedy. So you feel like, so, so
1: roasting is, it's just, it's universally loved. It's like people, it doesn't make a difference. It's oh, just... they do,
2: they do shows, the roast battles in every language, yeah. all over the world. I hear from fans in Russia. Did you ever think it would spread that big? No. That's incredible. Beyond, beyond what I could have imagined. I
1: mean, it's it's like there's literally one... There's Roast Battle on the Comedy Central in South Africa, right? Yeah, it's 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 incredible, man. All right, a couple more. Sammy Hagar was thrown off as an opening act of a Kiss tour during the late 70s due to his using a foul language on stage. Have you ever been kicked off a tour? Um...
2: No. I don't think I've been kicked off.
1: You've ever been kicked off from featuring for somebody that you had to open
2: for? Mm-mm. I've always finished a job, as far as I can remember. okay, That's good, right? That's great. The show must go on. The show must go on. You're Never a got professional. Fired. Never got fired. It's, it's, right now, somebody's listening to this going, I fired that motherfucker. Like <laughs> but I don't remember getting fired. If it happened, I've managed to block it out for
1: have you ever had? Have
2: you ever had like a headliner that you were opening for? Like have to
1: give you a stern talking to? No, nah. because you're such a nice guy. I just see them like you're like, all right, well, you might have pissed that lady off, but he's such a fun
2: hang, dude. No, no, such a fun no. hang. All I don't right. really, I don't really rub into pe- rub rub up against the audience like in a bad way. Like, I feel like I'm a good opener. I did a bunch of tour dates around the world with Chris Rock last year. I opened for, you know, him, but like. <laughs> probably 25, 30 times in arenas and his Netflix taping. You know, he asked for me to go on before him and do stand up for 10, 15 minutes and do like a speed roast for 10, 15 minutes and bring up volunteers from the audience and his biggest fans basically in a big arena. And I'll pick people out to come on stage totally random. And it's complete fucking chaos on stage for 15 minutes. And then... They'll all leave. I'll take a bow, say good night. I'll leave. He'll and he'll like his music. His intro comes on, and like he loves shaking it up. So I feel like I'm a good shake-up comic. Like yeah. you can go on before me, after me. I'm bumping Mike's comics to come on during my show with a tell. Yeah, you know. So I feel like I don't know. I'm a I'm a good utility player too. Okay. Like I could jump in with any band. No, I see that.
1: I see because it's I, you open uh, for for Dave and John when they've been doing the Control Danger tour. I yeah. mean, and it's like, well, it's just what you're doing is such a uh, such an art form, man. And it's you do it at the best that you can do it. Do you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's not like they have to worry. It's like they know that you can go up there and bring those people on stage, and and you can you can do it in a loving way. I have not been kicked off a tour, but I'm not going to mention the headliners name, but I was at American comedy company in the first four years of stand up And I was so excited to open up for this headliner. I'll tell you off Mike. And I was supposed to host and then his, his feature wasn't very good. So they, the club owner asked me to feature and, but he goes, so he wants you to feature. He just doesn't want you to do this joke anymore. This masturbation joke. I go done, man. I don't have to do that. After every set that I did, Jeff, Throughout that whole weekend, the, the manager would come up to me. The guy, First of all, the headliner would never talk to me, and I was trying to be his friend so bad because I liked his comedy so much. He never would talk to me in just very short sentences, and the manager would come up and say, yeah, he doesn't want you to do that joke anymore too. And then by the la- by the final show of the weekend, I couldn't do my set. It was like I had to just do crowd work. It broke my heart so much. Oh. Um but but it also helped me you know learn how to at least he didn't fire you He didn't
2: fire me probably did want
1: to but the the club manager like He was me.
2: probably insecure about his own act and that affected how he saw your act.
1: We were so similar. Not similar, but it's like there's that's definitely... Why, that's
2: why he didn't like it. It was...
1: It's, but I guess it was just what... Like, I just looked at him and I was like, this guy and I will connect, man. I feel like he's had the same upbringing. I felt
2: like he got me and... You're probably... Your jokes probably stepped on his jokes or your attitude stepped on his attitude. Maybe, maybe the attitude. I don't think jokes. Yeah, I don't attitude. want somebody who does what I do to go on right before me, so... You're right maybe this guy's an asshole, I don't know who you're you know maybe I'll, Michael I'll tell you but who it is. if it's an insecure comedian or or they're working on their act isn't quite ready yet, you know, I could see somebody going it was Paula Poundstone. that's who it was it was <laughs> well, good for him paul Poundstone.
1: all right last last fact, and I'll get you out of here. I love you, dude, so much uh in his early years. Gene Simmons entered a Jewish rabbinical school with the intention of becoming a rabbi. I love that so much. Baruch not adonai, honey. Shalom, kiddushanu. That was the
2: joke I said when I roasted Gene. Did you say that? Mm. What'd you say? I said Gene Simmons, he like a rabbi, fucked an Indian chief. <laughs> I've met all the guys from Kiss, Have all you? four of them, at different times, and they're all wonderful guys. They seem like it, yeah. All great guys. I went to their Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inauguration because my friend Joel Gowan invited me, who directed that sh- episode uh, uh, of that amazing. It was just just to see those guys, <clears throat> you know, all together, and even when they're separate, when they even some of their solo songs, like you know, the original four: Ace, Peter, Gene, Paul. It was like, that was my Beatles. They were the guys that brought me out of whatever I was in. Yeah. Carried me to some cooler, wilder. It was a
1: whole, like you said, we were talking about for the album, they've created this whole world of positivity, of parting. Of of
2: possibility. Of possibility, yeah. Of possibility. And that's why Destroyer especially. Because it was like, you got to break some eggs to make an omelet. Destroyer. Yeah. It 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 wasn't wimpy. It wasn't hippie. It like, my life was hard. I didn't even realize it was hard. Yeah. But, Kiss, you know, was a way out. Yeah. Just thinking like Kiss was your, was your transport.
1: I believe that. I believe it because this is definitely a feel good record. So the question I have to end this, if you weren't a comic,
2: what would you have done? Hmm. I probably would have been uh, the manager of a KISS cover band. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a
1: perfect answer. That's a perfect answer. Do you want to give the real answer or you think that, uh, that that's, that's that's the best I that's, got, That's, that's bro. a that's a perfect answer. That's the best answer. guess I have. That's a great answer. Jeff, uh, I can't thank you enough for coming on this map. Of course. Thank you so much, buddy. I really had
2: fun, Jeff. Thank you, brother. Thank Shout sir. out to KISS and all the KISS army. Fucking dude! How many fucking bands have an army? What's Motley Crew's army? The crew cuts. My
1: ex girlfriend is now engaged to Tommy Lee.
2: Yeah. Not good for her. Do you
1: want to know how hard? I heard that he is?
2: has a. I heard he has a tiny penis. It's it's so tiny. It's just <laughs> he has the biggest dick I've ever Old, seen. Only really on sorry, a small Josh. screen, it's tiny. It's I'm like, sorry, Josh. Nah, you know what? No, f- I this, once saw his dick hunk a boat horn. He has a huge dick. Can I
1: tell you this? This is like how how this is why it's like Bill Burr said something to me. He goes, you know, he goes, cool shit happens when you follow your dreams. And in this weird way to know that I dated a girl that is engaged to Tommy Lee. Dude, when I was 13 years old, I was in my parents' bedroom watching the American Music Awards because Motley Crue was nominated for Dr. Feelgood. And they lost to the poison, right? And I started crying because I'm a sensitive person. I started crying. And my dad walked in and he sees me crying Looking at the TV, and he goes, "Why are you crying?" And I was like, "They lost a poison." And he's like, "Who died a poison?" <laughs> and just to know that that would have never happened if I didn't, you know, her dating me dating a girl that, that that's with Tommy Lee right now. It's like it, it just means that that I'm that I'm doing something. I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing because I am that one you know just just a few hundred you're not even a few hundred like 10 miles away from where they fucking live that I, if i called her and i can hang out with Tommy. and that's just it's just a beautiful thing man and that's what i get from this record too that life is beautiful life is precious be your own person don't follow the rules just find your lane and if there's not a lane out there fucking create it create and it. just drive as fast as you can down it
2: Make that lane a highway.
1: Make that lane a highway, dude. Thank you so much, Jeff. This was great.
2: Shout it out loud, bro.
1: Shout, you want to sing Beth on the way out? Oh, <laughs> Beth.
2: What can I do? Gang, gang,
1: Beth. What can I? Hit me
2: with the high note. The do. Oh, Beth. What can I do? Beth,
0: I hear you calling, but I can't Thanks, call. brother. The plan, and we just can't find a sound. Just a few more hours, and I'll be right home to you. I think I hear the
2: calling. Oh, Beth, what can I do?
1: Beth, what can I do? I don't think him and I should ever sing Beth ever again. But if you guys want to see Jeff, Sing Kiss. Come to the next goddamn comedy jam on March 20th at The Roxy. We might not do Kiss, but who knows? Follow Jeff on Twitter at Real Jeff Ross. On Instagram, The Real Jeffrey Ross. And you can go to his website, roastmastergeneral.com. I know we mentioned this at the beginning, guys, but go watch Bumping Mics on Netflix. He's got a new show called Historical Roast that's going to be coming out, I think, in the spring. And check out his podcast, Thick Skin with Jeff Ross, on all formats, everybody. And if you're in Phoenix, because some of you are, this week, Jeff is going to be at Copper Blues Live in Phoenix, Arizona from January 18th through the 20th. Go to his website for tickets at roastmastergeneral.com. I'll also be posting his mixtape track listing link on all social media, on the website, and on all music platforms. Guys, get inside the musical mind of Jeffrey Ross. He's going to be making a mixtape for you. If you listen to it, great. If you don't, that's on you. Email the podcast at 500podcastgmail.com at and follow me on all social media. At Josh Adam Myers. And you can say, hey, King of Fleece, I love you to death. Or you could say, hey, you four-legged fuck, send me a shoe. Guess what? Maybe I will. Maybe I'll send you a shoe. I know I just mentioned it, guys. March 20th, we're doing the next goddamn comedy jam at the Roxy here in Los Angeles. It's a show you do not want to miss. And this upcoming Tuesday, January 22nd, I'll be doing two shimmy shimmy yas at The Comedy Store in the main room. Uh, It's a show where comedians give away real stuff from their lives. I got Chris D'Alia on both shows, one of the biggest, best comics working today. Christina P., Anthony Jezelnik. It's going to be fantastic, guys. So we got an 8 and a 10 o'clock. I want to see you there. All tickets are on my website at joshadammyers.com, or you can go to thecomedystore.com and find that. And then go to the website, the500podcast.com. That's where all of this shit is, guys. You find out the music playlist from the one and only Jeff Ross. You find out the music playlist from Kevin Nealon from episodes past. Go to the website. Because if you go to the website, guys, you can look into our club. Now, remember how I kept saying at the beginning, like, this costs and takes a lot of time? So what we did is we created a Patreon page. It's called the 500 Club. We're giving away merch, t-shirts, hoodies. We're going to do a live chat with me and one of my guests. And if you sign up to the club, you get full access to full interviews. You can get all the bullshit that we cut out. But you also get it one day early on Record Store Tuesdays. Also, I'm going to be taping a podcast specifically for the Patreon. I got an idea. Maybe it's going to be the 500 greatest songs of all time and me and, and I'll probably do like Avery Pearson or Ryan Sickler, two of my best friends, and we'll just shoot the shit. I, I could just talk about my day. I could talk about my week, but I want to give you guys more because I want you guys to join this movement. The 500 Club is so dope. Sign up at the500podcast.com backslash club for all details on the Patreon memberships and ways to support the 500. Now, each week, I usually play an artist that was directly influenced by the artist and album that we're talking about. This band right here, they're buddies of mine, two hysterical comedians called Regan and Watkins. This is their song, Stepdad. I love these guys to death, man. These are two of my best friends. You can find them at ReganandWatkins.com. You can find Jeremiah at JeremiahStandUp. And you can find Pat Regan at GregsDad99. And you can find both of them together at ReganandWatkins on all social media. Stepdad is off of their upcoming Regan and Watkins album that will be dropping soon. The music video for the song is on YouTube starring Pauly Shore as the stepdad Robbie. Guys, watch stepdad's music video. Listen to the song here. We're going to play it all the way through. And then next week we'll be back to to artists that are directly influenced. And if you want your music played on the 500, send it to 500podcast at gmail.com. Make sure you put the album and artist that influenced you in the subject line. Next week, it's Husker Do Week with their 1985 album, New Day Rising. So y'all got some homework to do. Have a beautiful week. I'll see you guys on the flip side.
0: Your mom, your mom, all joking aside, your mom's loving is a bomb, The bomb, Christmas is gonna get real weird, cause I have two sons of my own, meet Taylor and Billy, we like sports, do you wanna go play catch, Taylor and Billy go see a movie. Maybe a sports movie. While you boys are gone, I'm gonna plow your mom. Over and over and over. I'm your stepdad, Robbie. Your stepdad, Robbie. And sex with your mom is my favorite hobby. Hey, Jeremiah, I'm your stepdad, Robbie. Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media podcast network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers, all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know.